Welcome to The Book Report, the podcast where we do book reports on books we haven't read since the last time we did book reports. My name is Dwayne, my pronouns are she, her. My name is Natalie, and my pronouns are also she, her. Do you remember the Animorphs? Neither do we. This week, we're reading The Other by Kay Applegate, which was written in, uh, or came out in 2000, uh, and it was ghostwritten by Gia Gascone. Gia or Gina? Gina. Oh, you're right. Gina. Gina. Okay. Uh, do you remember what happened last time? It was Hold a long on. time ago. It was a long time ago. It's been a hot minute since we read this, uh, since we recorded. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold uh, on. Oh, yes. The last book was a really wild book. And it was the book where um, Cassie turns into a buffalo and um, cause, but also gives another buffalo morphing capabilities. And, and it's a very... It. Yes, it was not our favorite Cassie book. I think we decided it was our least favorite Cassie book. I think we did decide that, yeah. It wasn't the worst book. It just wasn't a great Cassie book. You Correct. Know? Yep, I agree. It um, was very intense. It was a lot. I I think I liked this book better. We'll get into it. But yeah, last week's book was, was a lot. Um, yeah. Before we get into it, before I read your book report, yes. I should say, trigger warning for this book. Mm-hmm. This book handles topics around disability and it does not handle them well or gracefully or nicely and it's all terrible and so we'll be talking about some of the terrible things so trigger warning for the entire episode i guess yeah i don't know there's a way like this book was was pretty ableist um and and aggressively so yes uh, both both the characters and also the book itself like they were ableist Mm -hmm. in different ways but both were ableist. So if that's something that you are not able to listen to right now, that's totally cool. Uh, Yeah, skip it. It, Probably if we weren't recording a podcast, I might not have read this book. Same. Or I would have started and been like, you know, this seems like a bad time and put it away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, why don't I read your book report? Okay. Have fun. You know, I just said, I think I like this book better, but now as I'm about to embark on reading your book report, I don't think I liked it better. All right. Well, here we go. Okay. Here we go. This week we read The Other, which is... Fuck. I just realized why it's called The Other and I'm mad. Okay. Uh, All right. This week we read The Other, which is narrated by Marco. Unfortunately, it is a big ableist trash fire. The plot kicks off with Marco spotting an Andalite in a blurry video on TV. He brings it to Axe and Tobias and Axe notices that the Andalite's tail is injured. Instead of being excited about another Andalite, he just acts like a huge ableist asshole. They go to investigate, and instead of finding the Andalite as seen on TV, they meet a different Andalite who is named Galfinil Estrifalad. He is also a jerk and not interested in being friends. All he wants to do is take care of his boyfriend, Myrtil Iskar Elmand, who is the Andalite from TV. He pieces out and Marco, Tobias, and Axe decide to investigate. After getting caught while investigating, they end up being brought into Galf... Galfinil... I think I was saying it wrong. Hold on. Galfinilans. Galfinilans? I think so. Galfinilans' house, where he lives as a pretend human. Galfinilan is acting really weird, and there's no Myrtle around. There's a pretty ableist conversation about Myrtle, and also they learn about how Myrtle and Galfinilan tells them how they came to Earth. Marco acquires a bee. Galifinilan asks to meet their prince, and then Marco and Axe leave. Back at the barn, the Animorphs make a vague plan to go to the house, and Marco decides to sneak in to scope out the house without anyone else knowing. Rachel finds out and helps him sneak in B-Morph. This is how they find out Myrtle is not at the house at all. After this, the gang also realizes that Galifinilan, it's really hard, is sick and is trying to acquire Jake as a morph, thinking he's an Andalite. Armed with this information, Jake shows up to meet Galifinilan, and they have a weird and very tense conversation that ends with Galifinilan trying to force Jake to morph. It turns out that Myrtle has been taken prisoner by Visser III, and he won't return him to Galifinilan without being given one of the Andalite bandits. The gang decides to go free Myrtle, even though Axe doesn't want to and is awful about it. There's a big battle scene at the train yard, but the basic gist of it is that they free Myrtle. Myrtle seems pretty chill, though very embarrassed about his injury, and Axe is incredibly ableist again. That's in all caps. Myrtle and Galifinilan go on back to their house so Myrtle can care for his boyfriend, and the gang goes back to doing anamorph things. 
The book ends with Marco inviting Myrtle to join them after Galifinalon dies. Yeah, that's a good summary. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to greet you down for this, but I did not appreciate how many times you wrote out their names and I had to say them. <laughs> it was tough. Look, I think it part of it was a pronoun problem because this book has almost uh, has very few women and also no one who uses they pronouns. And so it's hard. I mean, there's a lot of people and the same. Yeah, it's hard to explain who, which he I'm talking about. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I felt like I said it differently every time. Yeah, probably. It's one of those names where I actually, you know what? I feel like my brain was having a hard time reading it because it's like a L-I-F-I N-I-L and it's all vertical. There's just too many verticals. <laughs> too many vertical lines. My brain was like Fair. blended up. His name's, uh, his name's Gan. Blend it all up. Anyway, um, I, I think I'll, I'll give you an A. I mean, I feel bad I, to read this horrible book, so I'm going to give you an A. Can I ask why it wasn't an A+. plus? Mm, I'm just not feeling that generous. But I have so many good lines in here that I put in here just for you. I liked the as seen on TV line. I gave an opinion that it is an ableist trash fire. Um, not a hard I referred to not controversial. I referred to the boyfriends. I even used the word boyfriend. Twice um, you did, yeah. Which I, like I think that. cannot be argued with. I am pretty certain that's just a fact. The thing is that I already gave you a grade and it's already on record. <laughs> I've changed your grades to make them higher. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with an A. I want to save an A plus for like a really good one. Okay. Well. All right. All right. Great. Let's talk about the uh, the boyfriends slash roommates. Look, I know the Everyone's book doesn't gonna, call them. History's gonna call them roommates. Yes, know. I know that the book says that they're just really, really good friends. They're incredibly good friends. They're so close. Friends have. But never you know been what? You know what I call that? That's a gal pal. <laughs> That's a romance. Yeah, that's a, they call it a bromance, but we know. We know what it is. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm going to say their whole names. You ready? Mm-hmm. Myrtle Iskar Elmand loves Gafinilan Estrif Valad. Mm-hmm. Myrtle and Gafinilan uh, sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. Yeah, except we're probably not in a tree. I think sitting is probably hard for them in a tree. Sitting but on yes. the lawn. Yeah. Yes. Um, crunching up some grass together with their yep. uh, mouth feet. Um, I have to say, Myrtle is a main character of this book, even though he is not in it almost at all. Um, yeah. and when we met him, I thought he seemed very nice. I agree. Um, wonder why he's got such a shitty boyfriend. So here's the thing. Who doesn't seem to respect him. Here's the thing. Um, did, wait, did, I'm going to call him Galley. Did Galley seem like he didn't respect Myrtle. I just feel like he didn't he only corrected acts once and let a lot of stuff fly I read that as he is just like I just have to get this fucking prince to my house so that I can steal his body um, yes maybe and if I, I pick too many fights they will not come to my house because here's how I read it maybe um so that's how I read like that 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 piece of interaction because he just was and then also he's sick and he is also they both he and his boyfriend are both they're both disabled yeah um in different ways um but I guess he was trying to save his life yeah I just feel like if you have a kid who is saying such horrible things about your boyfriend you want to tell that kid to shut up you know sure no I agree he could have done more I also read at least the first half of the book a lot of it is just like I just need them to do the things that I want them to do. And if they don't do what I want, if I make them mad, they won't do what I want them to do. All right, that's fair. I'll Um, I'll agree with that. But it did give me that energy of like, um, you know, first of all, they describe uh, Galifan, whatever. Um, They describe him as being incredibly muscular. Like he is a beefy, beefy boy. Um, Mm -hmm. Even his arms. He does not have weak boy arms. (laughs) Yes. He has strong man arms. I wrote in my my notes that it was like they were describing him as an Andalite, but what if he was hot? Um, And that Mm -hmm. seems to be the energy of him. Um, And then Myrtle, who I uh, didn't describe nearly as much other than that he has a damaged tail. End of description. Um, But he seems more kind of like thoughtful. He seems like less uh, brash. Yeah, Um, I agree. And I like the energy of them as a couple, you know? Yeah, he seems like the quiet, thoughtful type. He probably evens out um, Galifin a lot, you know? Yeah. I like that. Yeah, that's nice. Um, yeah, I, so that's, that's the two of them. 
Um, I guess we should talk about some small stuff. Yeah, there was some, there was an assortment yes. of small things that are strange, odd, bizarre. Yes. <laughs> Um, the first one I have here is that there was a weirdly grown up reference to life insurance. Marco was like mm-hmm. upset that a life insurance company would never sell him a policy because his life is too dangerous. And I was like, what do you, how do you know about life insurance? You're 12. Why yeah, are you I feel like, about life insurance, my dude? I feel like it's, it's not even like, I could see him being concerned about things about mortality differently than other kids. Um, but expressing uh, that through life insurance seems yeah that's the weird part adult. of life insurance yeah you know, and like yeah. why would the readers the children reading this understand that reference you know yeah yeah no that's fair so that was i thought that was weird uh the other funny one that i wrote here was there was a major typo yes, uh, an enormous typo where an entire section of a chapter was copied and pasted farther down in the in the chapter and i thought i thought it was we were getting into a time loop. <laughs> oh no that would have been it was so in the awful. middle of a sentence like hold on i want to find it because i need to read it it's just so it it i had to read that page three times to figure out like okay this was a mistake and it's not a whole plot i need to pay attention to um i went and grab my copy of the book because i had to go check that you had to check yeah oh i had the physical okay. book and i was like i gotta look in the physical book to see if that's actually is in it there. in there too no okay all right, so they're in the uh, food court at the mall. And uh, he says, um, Marco says, not a good idea, man. Look, I'm getting a very bad feeling about this guy. This situation, food court. Axe wanted to buy a box of cinnamon buns. Jake thought a Pepsi sounded good. What do you know? And I was like, what? You're not getting a good feeling about the situation of the cinnamon buns and the Pepsi? And I was like, wait, didn't I read this before? And like half a page up, they're talking about the cinnamon buns and the Pepsi. And I'm like, are we looping through the food court? We got a whole time situation here that these Andalites are setting up. And no, no, actually, it's just just a horrible typo with a whole half a page copied and pasted over. Well, and there was that part where uh, it says Jake slipped on the rest of his soda. He, and then in all caps, C-O. Yeah, he cool. And I was like, what? What line did we miss? I was trying to, like, I read that four or five times. And every time I was like, are they... Are they trying to say like he hiccuped or something? But why would they have that in like a quote? And yeah, and the next line doesn't make any sense. I couldn't understand, but it is a weird typo. I just I, that made me chuckle. I'll I'll admit that gave me a good little laugh. Okay, you had some small stuff. What was yours? Um, there was uh like a couple pages later on, on page thirty two of the PDF. They yeah. were talking about um like queens and kings and all of that, and how like the bee wants to do stuff for the hive. Um, and then Marco, who has not taken any classes about government, I guess, I thought that you would have by that point in time, but maybe not. Um, he sa- he describes it like this. He says, anyway, it's not nearly as bad as being an ant. You know how ants are just program parts of a whole? It's kind of like that, only not so aggressive. It's sort of like I'm part of a big farm family, all for one and one for all. We bring back, well, we bring in the crop and feed the next generation and pay homage to the queen. That's what communism is all about, I mused. I mean, Castro's like a king when you think about it. Yeah, I read that and I was like, what a confusing message to give to children when that's A, not correct, and B, no follow-up. <laughs> it's just, it was like, so funny at all. and out of place. Um, and what it told me about Marco is that probably they have introduced the concept of communism in some class that he is in. Yeah. Um, and Marco did not study. He did not study at all, mm. um, yeah. especially if he's calling, he's talking about how communism is about a queen or a king. Yeah, fealty to a king. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what communism is. <laughs> the main feature of communism <laughs> is uh, royalty and um, paying fealty to, yeah. uh, you know, royal court. And then people own large tracts of land where they have serfs on the land. Right. Um, yeah, totally that's actually, sense. that's what, that, that is a famed uh, system known as communism. Correct. Right. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I just thought it was fun. Um, I also love when they go to the house Galifin's house. I'm, you know, I'm gonna call him Galley for the rest of this podcast. I'm just not gonna say his okay. whole name anymore. All right. Yeah. Um, anyway, when they go to Galley's house, um, they first it's kind of two things at this house that made me laugh. One is they're walking through the house and they're talking about how the the ceiling is really low. And so Galley doesn't like it because it makes him feel kind of like claustrophobic, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And so Marco is talking about how what he should have done is like he has a ranch house. What he should have done is go for a Cape Cod, which, okay. I am sure that there are some children who would know that. For example, I would bet Maddie, if you had asked Maddie as a child, she probably would have been the kind of kid. To probably would have known. Um, but I would say 99% of children would not know a Cape Cod from a ranch house. It seemed strange that Marco had this knowledge um, of a home's uh, architecture. It just didn't seem correct. Similar to the- I agree. Uh, similar to the life insurance situation. It, why does he have that knowledge? He is very young. And, and again, um, the children reading the books, are they gonna know the difference and what that means? Yes, and that then he, when they're walking through the house, uh, they're walking to the kitchen and Marco knows all the brands of kitchenware. Like he's like, wow, a Sub-Zero fridge, a Viking cooktop and oven, state-of-the-art Bosch dishwasher, Cuisinart, KitchenAid. It's yeah, just, like he spent a lot of time watching HGTV or whatever, or I guess at the time it was TLC. You know, he watched a lot of TLC. He says that it's because he watches the food, he watches that kitchen show on the Food Network, which oh, yeah, I right. guess. Yes. <laughs> but it just seems <laughs> so wild that the things that he has retained have just been the names of cookware. Um, and like, I don't know, I guess there are people who think about this a lot, but mostly adults who are going to do this to their home, not a child who cannot buy, for example, a Sub-Zero fridge. Right, um, exactly, yeah. Yeah, and but then the other thing I love in the, also in this house is that, you know, this house, he talks about it being like very Martha Stewart, all of that, um, but then he describes that there's some art in the house that is velvet paintings. Um, and I just, he said, he described them as being uh, paintings on black velvet soles in the trunk of an old Cadillac. I, I just really like that. That feels like very 90s to me. Um, I guess maybe even older than 90s, but I just really, I, I love a velvet painting. It brings me back to being a child. Did you have any velvet paintings when you were a kid? Um, I don't really have them in the house. I had like those Lisa Frank, um, like drawing, coloring things that they were in uh -huh. velvet. Um, yeah. But when I was in college, one of my roommates, um, her parents sent her a velvet Jesus. Oh my God. Yeah. Like seriously or sarcastically? Yes, I'm trying to remember. No, seriously. Because Satirically. Do we have a velvet Jesus or was it regular Jesus? I know I lived in a place with a velvet Jesus. I think that was my college roommate. We had, I had a roommate who sent this, her parents sent her a Jesus because I had a statue of Buddha or something and they were like, mm -mm, better send some Jesus to this home. Sure. Yeah, it it was very strange. Um, I think I didn't have any proper velvet posters or paintings or anything i agree i just had those same ones where you like you color in the colors on the velvet yeah yeah i, I just love too. the look of them i think they're just a particular look they're very fun it's a vibe yeah, um, yeah 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 um oh and then the last thing it's not related to the house a little bit related to the, well not a little bit totally related to the food court the animorphs get together to have their secret meeting where they talk about stuff in a food court it's not even Always. the first time they've done this yeah. I just want to understand why they keep doing this. It seems not private. Especially when they know there is at least one other Animorph who kind of knows about them, mm -hmm. who could totally show up and morph. It's just not clicking. I agree. And also, um, they have the barn. Yes, that is more secret. Why not just meet at the I barn or the forest lot, where cool. Tobias is? literally anywhere else the mall is anywhere. the worst place they have often overheard other people making plans in the mall because the mall is a bad place to have a meeting even if you're at and an empty table one of them doesn't know how to behave yes it's okay. like and like if they were like oh we just all really wanted like actually wanted cinnamon rolls we just also really wanted some sparrow all they had to do not only the only thing they had to do mm -hmm. Is to say, okay, Axe, we'll meet you at the forest. Someone's gonna stop at the mall and pick up like a box of cinnamon buns. Absolutely. Someone Done. who knows how to order cinnamon rolls will do the job. Yes. Well, yeah. anyway, those are my small things. The mall thing really Thanks for the small me. Every things. Every time I think about it, I just, you know, I just make me laugh. Like, what a bad place to meet. Terrible, terrible place. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about the main meat of the book, which is mostly wrapped around these two beautiful boyfriends. Um, so Galley's big plan mm -hmm. is basically entrapment, mm -hmm. which is coming off of Visser Three's plan of entrapment. And he's mm -hmm. trying to trap Jake because he thinks 
the like axe is a kid and so therefore the leader of this gang that axe is in must be a grown-up andalite and so Mm -hmm. he's trying to trap what he thinks is a grown-up andalite of jake um i really liked jake's big reveal he just rang the guy's doorbell as his kid self and then Galley was like holding him at gunpoint and was like, well, first he politely, he was like, why don't you make yourself comfortable? Demorph. And then holds him yeah. at gunpoint and is like, demorph, I said. And Jake's like, I'm just a 12 year old man. Like, I feel like that's a real power move to just be like, yeah, I'm a child. Deal with it. I it enjoyed that moment. Fun. It was pretty fun. Um, and it was, poor Galley was just not prepared. Like, you know, he just, he, was not. he had a lot of plan, I guess. But then he hit the part where his plan was just like, no more plan. Plan. Well, his over. plan involved potentially murder, and then he yeah. saw a child and was like, "Well, oh, yikes!" Didn't expect that curveball. Um, I just, you know, I don't ha- often have moments where I enjoy reading about Jake's adventures, and this one I was like, "Good one, Jake." I did like a very fun time. Noticed. In this book, someone had a really funny read about Jake that made me laugh. Um, that I wondered if you had noticed. Uh, let me go find it. This is not really about Jake and Galley. This is just, uh, just I don't a know. It was a point. good line. Um, so they're talking about Galley's human morph. He said, um, how, they said nothing remarkable about him except for his total and complete averageness. He was the kind of guy who would disappear into a crowd instantly. The kind of guy who would blend. The kind of guy Jake might have become if he hadn't chosen a spectacularly odd, spectacularly odd path for himself. I did catch that part. And I was like, yeah, Jake, Jake's super average and boring. Awesome. I was just like when they were like, this man, the only thing that's remarkable about him is he is bland. He is so bland. He's you've never seen a man so bland. He is He's not the bland. blandest person. He didn't have brown hair or blonde hair. He had brown and blonde hair. Uh, it wasn't long or short. It was half of between the two. Um, mm-hmm. He wore a pair of nondescript jeans, a uh, dark plaid shirt and scuffed white sneakers. I just love that they were like, <laughs> my favorite line of the whole thing is just nothing remarkable about him at all, except for his complete and total averageness. Norm core in, in body. <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> it was really good. So this plan though, this entrapment plan mm-hmm. is an extension of Visser 3's entrapment plan and hostage situation, which yes. is of course an evil plan as we know. Sure. But honestly, three. not the worst evil plan. Yeah, I would say it's pretty smart. Um, it doesn't work at all, um, but it was it was a good thought, you know, good effort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I think he he made the fatal error of thinking that his hostages could not possibly team up. Yes, um, yeah. I suspect that he didn't think about people's ability to communicate. I think yeah, he was just like, I can can't. communicate with other people by yelling at them and shooting them but this person can't so so therefore it doesn't matter what's communication if not screaming and killing yeah so he uh his plan is kidnap myrtle hold him hostage move him every three hours which again a good forward-thinking step uncommon for viscer three yes uh and then tell his boyfriend Get me a living Andalite and I will let you two live out your beautiful romance here in peace forever. And I simply won't care about you because I don't care about you. And um, that's not a bad plan because he kind of has nothing to lose in that scenario and everything to gain. Yeah, it wasn't bad at all. Um, I mean, it's evil. It, it fully didn't work. Again, yeah. communication. Um, but I even think like the location he chose, like the the train yard, was mm-hmm. a good holding place. It's kind of creepy. You can hide a lot of guys in there. And not a lot of totally. people around to be in the way of everything. Uh, and also, honestly, just for me, I, I enjoy a new location. That was a new location. But I think yeah. this was a this was a good effort for Visser Three. Again, did not work. Um, did not work as all good, of his plans. And as we know, there are how many fifty six books? That means at least fifty five of those plans are gonna suck. They're gonna fail. That's true. You know? That's true. So it's nice to see one that at least had some good planning to it because usually yeah. the plans are not well thought out this one not what they to need have to a little be, bit you know? more oomph to it you know this is something that i think probably on his um employee review they're yeah. like you know what that didn't work not everything is going to work out um but you put in a good, good legwork you definitely thought through the steps uh you mm-hmm. know you definitely figured out like you know you thought through getting a hostage going to get someone to do something like 
you've got a lot of good thoughts here. Um, we're not going to give the full five on the scale because right. again, right. you didn't, you, you didn't, didn't really follow. Yeah. You didn't succeed. And then yeah. also we're taking off a point for just like, you thought through a lot of the steps, a lot of the thinking was there, but you didn't think about, um, you didn't think about some of the more fine-tuned details, like the communication mm-hmm. between a hostage, uh, a person who wants to get his friend out, and then like his ability to communicate with other bandits. So like, good thought, good process, some uh, more fine-tuning skills, and then again, your plan has to succeed for you to get a whole five. So he probably got like a three out of five, but like good. That's actually pretty for Visser three. Probably getting mostly twos. Yeah, I agree. Twos and ones, you know. Totally agree. So a three um, is a big step forward. I agree. I agree. So, I mean, I guess good for Visser 3 this time. And also, we didn't have to, like, see much of Visser 3 in this book, which I appreciated. Yeah, we barely got him. We talked yeah, about we got him a little a bunch, break but that him. was kind of it. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the real uh, terrible part of this book. Ugh. Okay. Well, I guess the All thing of the to start with. Stuff. Yeah, I guess the thing is to start with is just to define what we're talking about. So, um, Myrtle has... Uh, his tail is injured in some way. He doesn't have the blade part of his it's tail. It's not just cap- injured. It's cut off like at cut. the end. Yeah. yeah. So he's, his tail's, you know, pretty, pretty messed up. Um, and we don't actually know why, I guess. they. The I think it was said, an injury in battle and he lost his tail. Yeah. Okay. So he's, he yeah. basically has been injured and they call that Vicol, Vecol. That's how I was saying it. Vecol. Vecol. Yeah. So that's like their term for somebody who's been injured in some way like that. Uh, I didn't think it was just the tail. And then the other kind of disability we're talking about here is we find out that Gally is sick and what he has is this disease called Sula's disease. Um, Which sounds like part arthritis. Yes. Part degenerative nerve condition. Yes. And it does sound like something that will kill him. Um, And Mm -hmm. the kind of the cure, it's a genetic thing. So the the Vecol thing is not genetic, or at least in Myrtle's situation, it's not genetic. Yeah. Right. But in Galley's situation, it is genetic. So there's no, they keep on talking about how Myrtle could cure himself. And I didn't by using his own uninjured, uh, his own DNA, which uh, I don't know what that means, but okay. It was if he could morph, he could do that. Oh, that's the other thing that Myrtle has. Myrtle can't morph. He, for whatever reason, does not have the ability to morph. So he could heal himself if he could morph. How could he, he heal himself though? They were saying there's something you can do. There's some well, process because... you can do with morphing power, but we know the rule is you can't heal yourself. I know. Yeah. But they were implying that there is some science some something. shenanigans yeah. that he could be healed, but since he can't morph, it that seems is a like if him. there is such science shenanigans, actually clue in the group with how to do that because they do get injured a lot. I agree. But that's not a hand or there. Um, and yeah. Gally could also theoretically cure himself by becoming a, uh, what is the word again? uh yeah uh he just has to acquire a different andalite use their dna take on a new body and that's how he would cure his disease he would be in a body that does not have the disease and that's their first guess about why he wants to meet jake is to acquire jake's like andalite body yeah to then Um, be free of the disease which is framed as harshly as the coward's way out which like that's not a thing when it comes to disease um but that like an andalite would never do that an andalite would simply die horribly yeah it's very confusing it seems to me and like i would understand why there'd be some discomfort around like if you have a genetic condition and then the solution is that you become my clone i could see why there'd be some discomfort around like it is problematic to have like and you wouldn't want to take a clone of something you wouldn't want to like take someone's DNA without requesting but like because Andalites have the ability to take DNA from multiple places and sort of like yeah smush it around like in his situation doesn't like allies options are obviously limited but like on the home world it seems like it would be really common for Andalites to be like oh well I'll just get DNA from my five closest friends and I'll just smush it around and I'll become you know that's a cure to my illness um and I will be able to not like I won't be having that kind of pain anymore that seems like Logical? just a treatment i don't know yeah reasonable effective and uh, axe is very strongly against that and says that no andalite would ever do that i mean honestly from the very cowardly. from the very beginning of this book axe it's it is like axe does not know how to speak because when they very first he like sees the video right they go to axe's place and they find the video axe records all, everything on tv at all times um 
and they see the blur and they can like pause it and they're looking at it um, and they're trying to figure out who it is. And then they realize the big thing that makes him different is that he's only got half a tail. And this is what Axel's reaction is. He says, a vehicle, there was this disbelief in Axel's voice, something else too, more like his, more than his normal, well, arrogant tone. It sounded like disgust. Excuse me, I asked. He is disabled, a cripple, Axel answered coldly, and his presence here will obviously be a problem. And he is truly terrible for us this chapter. He just keeps on talking about like, we can't ally with him. He's we can't useless. even talk to him. We can't help him. And the whole book, he says the same exact stuff. Is just like, he is useless. He is nothing. I don't want him to be here. He's embarrassing. And a lot of awful. he's not deserving of life, which is yes. bad. Yes. It's it's truly so upsetting. Um, and, and they kind and of like, position Marco as someone who's like, I disagree with that opinion even though Marco says some other stuff later that is awful, but like they're, they're almost using it as a narrative device to be like, ah, the reader should associate with the narrator that this is bad and that this is not how we talk about people with disabilities, but it is not firm enough. <laughs> and Axel well, keeps going and does not learn or hear that feedback ever and just keeps going. And like, I think it's one thing for a book to show, like I, I have read a lot of books and I'm sure you have as well, where like, people behave in ways that are bad but the books lets us know one that those are bad things and sometimes the characters aren't confronted sometimes they aren't because of like plot stuff right mm-hmm. um but in this book I think the missing piece or the thing that makes it hard for me to believe that this book is try- is like an anti anti-ableism is that the book's attitude itself like the narrator perspective is bad like it's not like yeah. Axe is ableist and Marco is a disability justice warrior Axe is ableist and Marco and the book are also ableist, just kind of yep. in different ways. One is much, much more like mean and one is much more like benevolent. Um, yeah. But like in that gross benevolent, like, oh, good for you kind of way. Both are bad. None of them is good. Yep, I agree. And uh, I I feel like that benevolent tone is like a thing from the 90s. Like that definitely feels yes. like the 90s. I've, but it also feels like if you're gonna if you're gonna write a book intended for children where you're trying to subtly teach a lesson about um treating people who are different with respect maybe don't be so heavy-handed and awful like like mean about it like like you could you could even take the benevolent thing and then counter that as opposed to going with the full straight aggressive hate mode and you know what i mean yeah, I don't well, know if I'm and being, also, I'm good at, I'm not doing a good job at explaining what I mean. It just, the whole thing felt distasteful. Well, and also like, I could see a book being like, we, we're going to have a character testing ableist and then another character is going to confront them and then talk about it. But like this yeah. whole book, Axe keeps saying ableist stuff. And sometimes someone says something to him about like, hey, you shouldn't speak that way. But Axe is like, I'm an ableist. I, whenever I speak. want. I can do whatever I want. And then at the yeah. very end, um, kind of the only real confrontation Axe has about, well, there's two. One, he said he's being rude about Myrtle at the beginning, and then he gets shouted at by uh, Galley, Marco. who's like, he's my, f- oh, yeah. no, at the very beginning, he's like, yeah. he's my friend, and like, basically he's like, shut up. Um, and then at the very end of the book, um, they're talking with Myrtle in person, and Myrtle is like, clearly embarrassed about his tail and being around them, which fucking sucks. Um, and then Marco Axe is something really mean about like oh he's surprised that we risked our lives for someone who's just like disabled um and then Marco says differently able which also we by the way just a side side note differently able is not another thing people are saying um, we don't say that either. I mean yeah yeah uh, that's probably like maybe a term of like a data term whatever um but Tobias says to Axe like he shouts at him he doesn't quite get into it enough for me but like he's like I'm not normal I'm an athlete uh, my best friend is sailing with blue fur. Like, how about we stop talking about normal or average? Like, it doesn't mean anything. And then Axe is still kind of rude and like weird and uncomfortable with Myrtle um, for no reason. Yeah, he's just aggressively hating on him because he's disabled, which is not, I, I guess I just feel like the book doesn't do enough 
like the book demonstrates that Axe is not being nice, mm-hmm. but doesn't do enough to show actual acceptance. Yeah. And like, what, is, what is the correct behavior? Like it only shows us bad behavior. Right. And then in, his in friends- In many forms. <laughs> Yeah. And like his friends, not like his friends kind of calling on him, being pretty gentle. Again, the biggest thing he gets from his friends is Tobias is thinking about, you know, we're not normal. Yeah. Um, and that's it. And um, I think they kind of are like, oh, well, I guess, you know, he'll get over it. Like he's working on it. Um, and then the very last chapter of the book, like we read this whole thing. Where problematic. It, the last chapter is truly upsetting. Because it's then, awful. Because then, first of all, um, we can't Marco, even read some of this stuff. No, no, like, no. The terms Marco are so unacceptable. Um, which is pretty bad. There's um, literally a list of slurs. Like, yes. I don't understand. And they were not considered polite words in the 90s either. No. So like, why were they using this in a children's book? Like it's, hold on, two, three. It's five words in a row that are slurs used against disabled people. And Marco is listing them off as a way of being like, that's what people are going to call you people are going to see you for your disability first and they're just going to call you that and there's nothing you can do about it and that's supposed to be the happy conclusion well i'm i'm, I'm not going to read the slurs but the thing he says he makes a list of slurs and then he says you just learned to live with it jake's the responsible leader rachel's the gorgeous gorgeous warmonger cassie's the tree hugger tobias bird boy acts resident alien galley is the one with the fatal disease Myrtle, dot 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 yeah what, what is that supposed to mean and like i think if this book wanted to handle disability and wanted to have this kind of ending where it's like people will always see you as your disability first and not anything else, if that's what the book wants to talk about, I think that there are people who write about people seeing them as their disability instead of, be, instead of as a person, mm-hmm. who write about that experience and that feeling, who are actual disabled people who have that experience and who talk about like what it is like to live in, in the way that they live. So there are ways to write about that. This book shouldn't do that. This is not the job of this book or this author. Um, and also the way that it's just like, people see you as handicapped first and that's just the way it is. Everyone gets seen as like, everyone gets a label. Jake's label is responsible leader as it's the same thing as being called a slur. Like, yeah. what? Yep. Can I also read this other part that made me really, really mad too? So if you've got one arm or get around in a wheelchair or are blind, you're a handicapped person. Maybe you're also a poet or a scholar, a sinner or a saint, but first and foremost in people's minds, you're handicapped. Not a lot you can do about it either. But with, again, like no follow-up on that. And it's just like, you, this book is, are you thinking that there are not children who are disabled who are reading this book? And like the message they're going to get is not good because this message is basically Marco saying, I see you. I will never look past what you immediately look like to me on first glance and I will never accept you. Although, um, good luck. Good luck out there. Like that's the message. And if they had to have some kind of message, uh, again, I don't know if there's really any value of this message, but if they, if if this author felt like it is valuable to me to talk about the fact that some people with handicaps only ever, people with disabilities only ever get seen, seen as their disability, then at least have something in here about like, it's not fair. And it is painful right. and it's okay and maybe to don't feel do it sad on the about last that. page. Don't do yeah, that as I, a one-liner. I, I wish this book had happened without the disability stuff tied up into it because I think that this plot is interesting, but I don't think this book was capable of handling disability stuff mm-hmm. with any level of sensitivity. I honestly, I, when I started to read through this last chapter, I had this moment of sheer terror. I was like, oh no, the R word is coming. The R word is coming. And me I, too, I thought I, so too. I just, I can't, I, I do not want to God. see that in this book because it will make me very upset and it is it's just so awful and like even the words they already put there are so bad and, and again that they follow it up with like their slurs and then they're like and, J- and rachel's a gorgeous warmonger it's like saying some people are ugly mo- like some people get called ugly and gross some people get called handsome it's not fair but that's life what what no. and actually i'm looking at this list of five things again one of them is not a slur but it's just mixed in with the slurs yeah <laughs> why uh anyway and then it ends with him offering Myrtle like, hey, if you want to hang out sometime, like we totally can. But it, it was like, but to, huh? Honestly, what are we supposed to why, take away from this? I don't understand. Why would Myrtle want to hang out with them? Because they are They're really- They're mean like, to him. Marco for sure. And also Axe is awful to Myrtle in particular. Um, 
And it's so upsetting. The only thing I like about the ending, there's exactly one thing I like about the ending. And it is, it's not even in the book, text of the book. It's just something that I really like thinking about um, is that the story sort of ends with the Animorphs are off doing Animorph stuff. They're not going to think about disability justice any, ever again or at all. Um, but what we do get at the end of the book, and the book doesn't really explore, and I kind of wish that this was a spin-off book, but it, I know it won't be, um, is we have this relationship between two Andalites who are experiencing disability um, in different ways. And it, first of all, it makes them really vulnerable, which is something that Andalites clearly don't like. And the way that they handle disability or they, like anything is like by pretending it's not a problem. Um, I like to think about the relationship between these two that is so close. And like the book calls them friends, again, I think boyfriends. Um, but I would love to explore the relationship between the two of them because that's a home where Galley can be he can experience pain and it's not something that's embarrassing. And Myrtle can have his tail and it's not embarrassing. Um, and there's like this really sweet relationship that clearly exists between the two of them where they just are so loyal and they care about each other so much. Mm -hmm. And I also think it's relevant because it's something that you notice a lot, like when you, uh, like a lot of disabled people take care of other disabled people um, and they are handling their own limitations and their own uh, ability stuff while also caring for somebody else who has different disabilities than them. I think it's really it's really nice to see that relationship model. I wish we had gotten more of it. I think it's yeah. really interesting. That and, would have been and a really nice storyline. And kind. And like, I don't mean kind in a condescending way. I just mean like it is when you are able to care for your friend, I think that's just a, such a lovely, kind relationship. And we don't see it in the Animorphs a lot because they, even when they want to care for each other, they're so traumatized and they're such a fucking mess. And they're also really they're young. They're so mean to each other. They don't know how to care for each other. And I think yeah. it would be so beautiful to get this relationship where they clearly do care about each other a lot. And they make bad decisions because, you know, who doesn't? But like, I think that I really like, again, it's not in the text of the book, but like Myrtle's uh, end of the book is him in the in the greenhouse, which clearly meant a lot. It means a lot to uh, Galley. Like he's in mm -hmm. the greenhouse, caring for the greenhouse, uh, and they have this home together where they can be at peace and they've been fighting all their lives as part of the soldiers in a war. And now they kind of escape from that and have this home where they can make sure they're comfortable while, I mean, Galley is dying. I think that's really mm -hmm. sweet. I wish it were more in the text of the book. I wish we had a side book. Um, I want a fan fiction about this. I just mm -hmm. think there's a lot there that makes that part of the book so sweet. And I wish that that was the core of the book and not a bunch of ableists and uh, ableism and fighting. Yeah, I think that that would be nice. Yeah. It's just so sweet. I just like them a lot. I, I don't like anybody else, but I like them. Yeah. Um, I just, I found it very frustrating. Yeah. It also just makes me sad for, um, for Axe kind of not Axe is being a jerk. I don't feel sad for him. And like, I feel bad that he, people are mean to him for being ableist because people aren't mean enough to him. Um, it makes me sad for Axe in kind of a broader way. Because Axe's concept of friendship is we are friends until you are injured, in which case we are no longer friends and it is better for you to go hide from, from me forever. It's so and sad. If, and if Axe were ever injured, he would lose every, their society is set up in a way that you would lose all support structure if you no longer contribute. And the Andalites, again, demonstrating they're bad guys. Um, yeah. And also very similar to some societies that exist now on yeah. earth and that also wasn't talked about that like how not just like axe's individual ableism but like mm -hmm. the fact that that ableism came from these really really strong societal ableism and like mm -hmm. how sad is that for them and all of them that if they ever like had an unfortunate accident and their tail was cut off that they would lose everything that's horrible what a horrible way to exist and like yeah be in society and like definitely in some ways it kind of mirrors like the society in which we live is that people when today they right now disabled. that's what i was implying yes, yeah absolutely no, no, I get, yeah. and like so in some ways it totally does mirror that but like i just feel like if you're gonna write a sci-fi book and parts of it are gonna be really painful and sad parts of it could also not be painful and sad yeah, right. I, like, I understand right. that the the Andalites are villains, and so we need to keep on talking about that now. Like that is definitely where the book is at this point in time. But it just seems like, yes, I guess we could have villainy, uh, like kind of portrayed as being like they're ableist, and so they're villains. Um, but we could also just be like they're not necessarily ableist. Some of them are, you know, complicated, whatever. 
there's it, like Axe is just a really big jerk and a society is not largely like this it's kind of complicated like I just feel like we don't have to have ableism as the sign of people that are bad people like in the same way that I don't want to read books about homophobia and homophobia is the shorthand for is a bad person because it's not fun for yeah, me to sure. read sure, like sure. it feels bad I don't like that um I don't know why ableism is the shorthand in this book for andalites are bad I mean yeah that's true I okay my last question I have on here is do you think we're actually going to see Myrtle again since it was set yes. up that we would yes yes I do he basically, Marco basically says, hey, we know Galley's probably going to die. When he does, you can come find us. We can be allies. I uh, don't think he will come back for a long time, but I bet we'll yeah. see him in like the last couple of books. You think big final boss battle, he'll show up and be like, I'm here to help. I think it's going to be kind of like a, I think it was pretty classic in these kinds of books, right? Like the last book or the last two books, mm-hmm. you get like a gathering of the a allies. Gathering of so allies. Like, mm-hmm. Toby's going to show up with some hork and and uh, Myrtle's going to show up by himself and eric will um, show up and be useless but stand eric there and the, ready eric to and the go. Andrews are going to show up and they're not going to do anything yeah. uh as i say drode will show up but drode's not on their side he's just going to be there know. to cheer the whole conflict on yeah, yeah drode's going to show up some popcorn um i guess those mutant humans are going to show up to do i don't know something like i just think there's going to be kind of a summoning of the allies uh, i think you're probably right. kind of your your last goodbye to people that we met yeah i wouldn't be surprised if we see him again but i also slightly less so but i also wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't show up again and this was just like they were trying to keep their options open i really wanted to come back i I like myrtle a lot i I want galley to come back but i know that he will not that seems very unlikely they set up that he will not unless uh he comes back like very end of his life and he has a vision or some shit like that um yeah i could see him being kind of like deathbed knowledge but other than that it's kind of it maybe all right well that's the book i don't think i liked it on conclusion Um, of this podcast i didn't i did not like the messaging but also i just don't think i enjoyed the um the plot it was just not that exciting i think largely i agree with you there are a couple of spot things that i really liked you know i like martel and galley i just think there's so much they could have done um there were some parts of the plot that i was like oh this is kind of exciting like what's galley's whole deal um Mm -hmm. they have like there's a couple moments from my notes i was like will this be uh like the like the movie psycho where his mother's dead, but he keeps talking about her. Oh yeah, I thought that too at first. Yeah. <laughs> Almost like that, yeah. I was like, oh my yeah. god, I want I want this to Hitchcock book to be a thing. Um, so there are a couple moments of plot that I was pretty excited about, but I, then it didn't pay off. So yeah, yeah. If the plot had paid off, that I would have liked it. Yeah, I agree. Well, okay, high hopes for the next one then. Yeah. Um, should we go to our first class? Let's go. Okay, first class. Biology again, because we got to talk about bees. Yes. Marco morphs a honeybee. Yeah, I love bees. I think they're so cute. I don't want to be near um, them necessarily, but I think they're very cute. Just as a side story, yesterday I saw a really big, cute, fuzzy bumblebee. Oh my God. He was I... really, really big and buzzing around and was as big oh as the God. bumblebee that he was sitting on. It was so cute. I have a friend, someone else I lived with in college, who I, she told me when she was very young, she was a child, she would like pet the bumblebees. Cause they're pretty they're pretty chill right they're not like they don't they're not super aggressive they're pretty like yeah. big fuzzy. and fuzzy and she just pet them probably you're not supposed to do that however i'm I sure it. you're not I she was, she was a, like, a young kid so i think we're going to talk about honeybees but also robber flies the aggressive flies that marco encounters and is almost eaten by robber flies are disgust no <laughs> robber robber flies are so gross yeah i'm, I'm looking, looking at them one right they're now called- and i hate them yeah same they're called acillidae they're also called assassin flies well i hate them they stab bees with their mouth and suck out their brains where did they I don't live think that's good they're pretty fucking gross looking oh they god i just i scrolled down too far like on the page their legs yep they've got eight legs that look awfully like a spider um i simply don't approve of them um i just I just want to say their like habitat, they generally occur in habitats that are open, sunny, and dry, even arid. Uh, they favor open or scattered vegetation, some species, whatever. Um, anyway, this does lend more credence, credence to the California theory. It does. They can't be in Florida if they want open, if they want like dry or arid. Yeah. So let me read you this description of what they do. 
The fly attacks its prey by stabbing it with its short, strong proboscis, injecting the victim with saliva containing neurotoxic and proteolytic enzymes, which very rapidly paralyze the victim and soon digest the insides. The fly then sucks the liquefied material through the proboscis. I think I don't evolution like evolution is bad if it came up with this. <laughs> Maybe we have to be creationists now. <laughs> I don't think that is a nice thing to do to a cute little bumblebee. I also agree that it's not nice to inject something with poison so that you can eat and its insides. suck out its insides. I would agree mm. with your uh, with your diagnosis of that's not very nice. Now, I will say I'm a hypocrite because I think that um, what are those called? Um, fly trap Venus, oh, fly, Venus fly traps. traps. Yeah, I mean they work through a similar method of digesting their prey and then swallowing so them. So the down. prey has to come to them. Robert flies can attack. True, you're right. That's the difference, and that's why I'm not a hypocrite. Yeah, yeah you're fine. Right. Yeah. It's the it's the flies that are hypocrites. <laughs> um, hun- honeybee. Honeybees are um, so fucking cute. They also are very very important to us. We need them to survive forever. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know my my house was once infested with honeybees? No, I didn't know that. My house was once infested with honeybees. Apparently, it's pretty common for honeybees to see fire, like uh, chimneys, and think of them, think that they are oak trees. Oh, I'm guessing it's because they smell like wood. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, um, (laughs) we had a hive of bees move into one of our chimneys when we were living in a house we used to rent. And um, in fact, it was so bad that bees got into our house. They came down through the flue and then they made a little nest in the front window. It was very bad. And then we called Terminex and Terminex said, no, we can't do anything because we can't kill them. Uh, And then we had to call people to come to the house to uh, deal with the bees. But they basically what what you have to do is we had to seal up the fireplace with um, like a black, black garbage bags. So the bees couldn't come in the house. And basically you want them yeah. like not, and then you throw in mothballs at the bottom of the fireplace so that they will not like the smell and leave. And then yeah. a person came to our house like a couple of days later and there were, I think they said there were over 9,000 bees in our, um, <gasps> in our chimney. And so they vacuum them up into like a big box and then they take the box out to Danville, which is farm country, uh-huh. um, so that they can have them out there where you actually want to have them. Um, and then they have to, if you have like a bee comb, like a honeycomb in your house like that, or a beehive, whatever, you can't just like take it out and that's it. You have to like scrape, heat and scrape everything because if there's any traces left, other bees will show up and move in. Yeah, that makes sense. So the whole house. thing, um, but they took the bees away. I mean, that's good for you. Yes. Um, I Better for the bees to be in like a, you know, a farmland. You want them pollinating. Yeah. You know? More there's nothing to pollinate in your house. You want them pollinating yeah. the outside. Um. I am looking at a picture of a bumblebee versus a honeybee and wow, bumblebees are so cute. Um, apparently they are more effective pollinators uh, for greenhouses. Apparently. Huh. Um, so really all that to say, this guy with a greenhouse, he's doing it wrong. He's got honeybees in there, not bumblebees. Well, it, it doesn't seem like he chose which ones came in. True. You Very know, true. it seems like it's whatever's in your neighborhood, right? I like bees and the jobs that they do. However, I don't necessarily want them on me. Sure, 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 Because I don't want to be stung by a bee. I, yeah, I think that's fair. We, I've planted stuff in my backyard for bees. um, Uh Uh-huh. Because we we have like a garden. We want bees to come and like do stuff. Yeah, pollinate. Yeah, so we have, I think lavender is good for bees. Yeah, and rosemary. So we have lavender and rosemary in our backyard. I have the rosemary because I want to eat the rosemary, but also it's good for bees. Yeah. Bees really, like I saw a rosemary bush the other day that was covered in bees. Yeah. Um, also, do you remember at the Coyote Point, the old museum that used to be there? I don't know if they mm-hmm. still have this. They used to have that um, cool honeybee home. So it was a giant wooden frame, enormous wooden frame mm-hmm. with glass on either side. And then in the middle, like between the glass was all the honeycomb. And then mm-hmm. there was a, a tube going out to the outside world. And so the bees lived in the honeycomb that the museum people could come and look and see the bees and all that. And they'd uh-huh. go out the tube to the outside world and go about their business. Right. It was so cool. 
it was i remember having a great time just sitting in front of that watching the bees do their stuff and do their little dances so neat it's interesting i'm looking at this wikipedia article and it sounds like that thing about when they sting they die is not true Mm -hmm. about honeybees oh i didn't know that it sounds like one kind of honeybee that i guess exists in southeast asia yeah their honey their colonies are capable of stinging a human to death yeah if you go oh, and fuck with their good. with their hive, so you know, don't. Yeah, don't touch them. I would say in general, if you see a hive of anything, don't don't go bother it. Call somebody yeah. if you need to deal with it. And don't just kill bees. Call someone because we have yeah. to save the bees. Yeah. Look up some local bee protected. things for your area because each I know in a lot of different regions they do different things, but like yeah. in some regions you can help out the bees in certain ways, just in like your yard, and in other regions you can't. Mm -hmm. they are trying to get the bees to go elsewhere so google around and see what you can do for the bees in your town and also save them did i tell you i have often um looked into taking beekeeping classes that'd be so cool i want to know about bees but i don't have a place to have a beehive so i probably will not nor do i maybe one day bees are neat let's go on to our next class let's go Uh, so basically we couldn't think of a really good other class and uh, that we could like talk about more of the book because we really talked about it all um, but there is one really important thing that we thought is worth I don't know saying talking about whatever uh, I'm calling this section book club schools have book clubs right yeah yeah um, basically I have some books to recommend but also you know whatever there are lots of other things you should be look, reading watching whatever um, but basically this book really fucked up on disability just constantly. Every time it, it saw an opportunity to fuck up on disability, it took the opportunity. It did it. Yeah. Um, and you know what? That sucks. And it sucks people to speak about disability in ways that are unkind and unfair. Um, and just like not true, you know? Um, so this class, uh, is just us recommending like, go listen to disability justice activists, uh, listen to actual disabled people talk about their actual lived experiences. Um, there are a couple of books that I can recommend. Um, Care Work, it's uh, Care Work, Dreaming Disability Justice is written by an author, um, Leah Lakshmi. I'm not totally sure how to say their last name. Um, so I may not because I'm not sure how to say it and I don't Why want don't to you say spell it, in- it so people can look it up. It's okay. Last name, it's P-I-P-I-E. P-Z-N-A dash S-A-M-A-R-A-S-I-N-H. Cool. Hey, there's a lot of say in there. Uh, anyway, this person, um, as I recall, they use they, she, and he pronouns. Anyway, um, they wrote a book. It's like a series of essays about disability and also how, um, like one of the things that she wrote about was how people with different disabilities, often their disability need their access needs conflict and so like how you handle that and also that like relationship between disabled people in terms of like how they care for each other the community they build for each other anyway it's very good uh my book club read it a while ago i really liked it um and leah or leah i'm not sure how they say their name just pronunciation is the same um they are local to where we are um oh cool friends of, with some friends of some friends of mine i think that's neat anyway and then the other book that i wanted to recommend is disability visibility which is by it's edited by alice wong it's essays about disability it's I think it's pretty popular if you look up disability books it's kind of one that comes up a lot it's got like a cover with a bunch of sh- like a triangles on it in different col- colors um but yeah my book club also read that one and then also just like look for disabled people speaking about their experiences disability visibility project is pretty good um it's just good to listen to actual disabled people about what's what to say what to do and how to support and them. what's important to them and what needs yeah. to be fixed from their perspective yeah um yeah and and listen the other thing i think would be cool is um i think from what i've heard that Mm -hmm. um like issues around accessibility and accessibility improvement can be kind of uh regional because like different towns or counties or states might be trying to do different things and so if you can find disability activists who uh are talking about what's happening in your region that could be really Mm -hmm. interesting too Oh, also, if you listen to this podcast and you have a young child, it's also a really good book about disability that I think young families with young children should read. It's called We Move Together, about the different ways that our bodies move. So it's oh, like, that's we, interesting. I haven't heard of that it's book. very cute. It's very simple. It's just like, we move fast and there'll be like someone running and someone in a, a power chair and someone like different people moving in different ways. Anyway, it's just a good way of talking to your children 
about um, disability because kids are going to see it and they are going to ask because they're that's kids and that's what they do. Um, and it's important that we are speaking to the children in our lives about what the world around them, the real world around yeah. them, and like being yeah. honest and also making sure that they can get their questions answered so know how to be respectful of people around them. And yeah. also like they can make the world that they they live in better than the world that we live in. Gosh, hopefully. I mean, we can only hope. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the class. I mean, there's not a lot to say other than that, like listen to disabled people about disability. They know yeah, better. Totally. They, they'll, they'll tell you how they want to be helped. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't go assuming stuff. Yeah. 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 Cool. Uh, I guess it's time for homework now that we've talked about all of that. Um, and this nightmare of a book <laughs> to talk about a different book. Yeah. Um, okay. So I have good news and I have bad news for you, Natalie. Oh, okay. uh, you already know this but I'm I'm going to tell you and also our listeners um the good news is we're almost at the end of the season that's kind of exciting that's true that's true the bad news is unfortunately in order to get to the end of the season we do have to read another Megamorphs and mm. while we did like the first Megamorphs we did not like the last two so it's not yeah. promising no it's not um, and unfortunately the other thing when we did our predictions um earlier this season I believe we discussed that this book's uh earlier end of last season the title of this book is Megamorphs for Back to Before, which strongly oh, right. indicates a uh, time travel <laughs> not another uh, situation, one. which we have not enjoyed, but maybe this one will be good. Um, Your I, relentless optimism, you so know? The cover is black and white, I guess. Um, it's got the gang, but like they're they're all in kind of in darkness. They're all wearing black, but they're, and Tobias is in front of them with his wings spread and he's like flying, but they're it's all lit. an album. Yeah, but they're all you know, live from underneath. So they look like they're about yeah. to tell you a scary story. Um, and they're standing on a bunch of crackly land, and the city is like a city that behind them is destroyed. So you know it's bad. Um, okay, so here is the back cover. What would you do if you had the opportunity to change your life? Not just where you live or who you hang out with, but your past, present, and future. Sounds like it might be pretty cool, right? Well, that's what Jake thought. He thought it might be easier if the Animorphs had never existed, if they'd never met Elfangor, if they all had the chance to be, quote, normal kids. Jake gets his wish. But things aren't quite as simple as they seem. Just because the Animorphs no longer exist doesn't mean the Yurks no longer exist. Except now, Jake, Rachel, Tobias, Cassie, and Marco can't morph. They don't even know the Yurks are out there. And it's not such a wonderful life. Uh, it's not going to be good. In fact, it is kind of time travel book here's one good news that I have one one like little good news for you um I was on the little Animorphs fandom page and I was like clicking through the pictures to find the back of the book and the one after that uh, picture is like one of the little back of the book ads for the next book or for this book so it's an ad for uh Animor for Megamorphs 4 uh has different text and this one says every every leader has a breaking point even Jake after a grisly battle a drode offers him an escape from the terrifying pressure. Jake yes, accepts. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, now there's no morphing, no missions, and no knowledge of the Yurks, but Jake and the others discover that you can't always close your eyes to the truth you know is out there. So anyway, what this tells us is a drode, which I guess maybe it doesn't, maybe it's not the drode. I don't know. Drode is coming. Um, and I have to imagine it's going to be the same drode only because it would be confusing to have two drodes. I'm, look, drode is chaos embodied, and I love the energy. So the good news is we will get a drone. Good. Excellent. Wonderful. So, you know, we haven't gotten Helmicrons yet this season, but we are going to get a drone. Thank goodness. And the Helmicrons better be coming. We know there's another one. They're better. And be. I hope it wasn't that one. It better not have been. All right. Well, well uh, I mean, I, I can't say that I'm looking forward to reading another Megamorphs. Sure, that's fair. But I guess I'm looking forward to finishing the Megamorphs. Yes, then we will be done with them, and we will only have one more non-main series book left, and that's going to be the Elements Chronicles. Which I am actually looking forward to. I know that book's going to answer a lot of questions. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, great. You want to tell them where to find us? Yes, you can find us on Facebook at The Book Report Podcast and on Instagram at The Book Report Pod. Uh, if you have something you want to tell us, you can email us um, at weloveanimorphs at gmail.com. Uh, if you have spoilers to send us, don't, please. Uh, but if you feel like it's really important to send us those spoilers, just put spoiler in the headline so that we can have someone else read it for us. Um, wherever you listen to us, rate and view us. Give us five stars. Say some nice things about us because it makes me happy. Um, I like when people listen to this podcast. So 
say some of my stuff on the, on a, you know, whatever you listen to this and then maybe find, you know what, next time you go to your dentist appointment, if they let you play calming music instead of that, play our voices <laughs> and that way your dentist can hear about us too. Yeah, totally. Totally. That's my recommendation to you. That's a great recommendation. Look, I just wanted to make sure people know about us and hear the joy of this. I mean, you need to start from episode one with your dentist so that they they can follow, you know, follow along the whole story. But totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's it then. Yep. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. We need to talk about bees. I want to talk about that murder bee.